On this week's long-awaited Bet the Process podcast, I get to talk to the national sports betting champion, third place winner, because first and second weren't available, Rufus Peabody, who got screwed. We think he got screwed. Like everyone thinks he got screwed. Scott Van Pelt was talking about at Sports Center. He got screwed. Um, and we spent a lot of time. It's the definitive interview where we talk through his entire timeline, his thought process, his psyche, what he ate, what he didn't eat, what he drank, what he didn't drink. And then we talk a little bit about the weather uh, and the weather's impact on scoring. And finally, we end with some NFL picks. As always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app, which is the number one sports betting app to track all of your picks. And with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a out with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom Welcome to the long awaited. Rufus Peabody podcast. This is basically your podcast. If I end up with more talking time than you, then I've done a shit job this one this time. So <laughs> let's just let's just make, make sure that doesn't happen. So bet the process, but this is a special edition because Rufus is a media darling. He has um like literally people are texting me that have no idea that who you are about it. And I'm like, I, I know that guy. I know that guy. He's he's slept in my house before, etc. <laughs> I did. So tell he's me a little nice bit about. Budget. Yeah, let's let's first start. Um, obviously, we're we're talking about the DraftKings. What was it called? The National Championship Sports Betting Championship, or something like that. The Sports Betting National Championship. Yeah. So describe to me the rules of this contest and this this contest generally for those people that have no idea what we're talking about. So it is a contest where uh, DraftKings, I think, did it largely to gain publicity and you know for to to make this sort of a future event. I think they were looking for something to like to be akin to the World Series of Poker. And I think I actually do think they hit on something with this format. But the format was this: um, everybody buy buy-in was ten thousand um, dollars. The prize pool was a guaranteed two and a half million dollars, and everybody starts with a five thousand dollar live bankroll on Friday. Friday. Now, by live bankroll, I mean that at the end, you get to keep that money. And if you lose it, you lose it. So um, you are betting your own money at that point. Um, they just take 5000 off the top, which goes towards the prize pool. And at the end of the weekend, whoever has the highest bankroll wins. And so the I think the top 25 places were all paid out with a million going to the winner. Now, on, on Friday and Saturday, you could bet anything you wanted, including live in-game stuff. On Sunday, you had to only bet the two NFL games. You could bet in-game on the first game, but once the second game, the Eagles-Saints game, kicked off, there were no, there was no more wagering allowed. And so, uh, yeah. Was this, was this predetermined that they were going to do it this way? Like at the beginning, they specified these rules? They did. They did. Okay. Did you, did you ask why? Was there any curiosity about why Sunday was so different? Well, I think they wanted to create some drama. They wanted to know... You know, it, I, and I think it's it's a good idea. I mean, you do have a lot more drama if people can't um, 
can't be adding bets and stuff like that on Sunday. You can, or at least on, during the final game, you know, you can figure out what has to happen for, for each person to win. And, and I actually, despite everything that happened, which we'll talk about soon, I was in a situation where if Will Lutz had made that 52-yard field goal and the Eagles had not scored at the end, um, which they didn't, but, you know, they'd still thrown an interception or whatever, then I still would have won first place. But of the other thing, the other thing in the rules is that after each bet, your, your bets are not disclosed until after until 30 minutes after you place them, in which they are. And there is this live leaderboard, and you can see everybody's bets, everybody's pending wagers, and and all that. So it it actually made it a little more exciting because you could really see where you are in real time. And uh, and there was definitely some some game theory involved in uh, in it. Yeah. So that's interesting. So okay. First off, you tweeted about our banking system, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> was there trouble so, getting cash into this or something? So, the, you know, it, it was their first year running this, and you sort of expect some growing pains, and, and there were those. And I think a large part of it is due to the fact that uh, you cannot transfer money from the DraftKings fantasy or daily fantasy uh, into the DraftKings sportsbook. And that's because of, uh, of legal regulations you're not allowed to and you're also not allowed to um deposit into the sports book using a credit card which personally i think is a good thing because i don't think people should be betting money they don't have and i think that would kind of encourage that um even though the libertarian me in me hates myself for saying that but so so i emailed draftkings sport uh it was like vip at draftkings.com on the wednesday last wednesday evening because uh, I decided I wanted to join. Now, the reason I decided I wanted to do this and and go all the way down to New Jersey from Boston is because there was a big overlay, meaning that uh, meaning that it was positive expected value for me. Because there at the time uh, were only 150 some odd entries. It ended up being a little bit over 250, but there needed to be 500 entries to cover the the entire prize pool. So basically, I w- they were paying out two and a half million dollars, but only taking in like $1.3 million it ended up being. So basically it was, it was a great, it was great for the participants in terms of the fact that on average they were making money. Uh, So I emailed them and I didn't hear back for the next 18 hours. I emailed again, didn't hear back, emailed just the support email address, finally heard back. Uh, Then the next day I tried to, I was trying to wire money, but I could only wire $5,000 at a time with my bank and, uh, I had to go use it. Dollars? Five thousand, five thousand oh, dollars like, at a time. Um, price I tried <laughs> Wells Fargo. I tried to use PayPal. So, so it was either PayPal or wiring money or driving down to Atlantic City with cash. Those were the three ways to enter. And so oh, you, I didn't want to. You, you you couldn't go. We've had you and I had this problem when we've tried to send each other money before. You weren't near a Wells Fargo branch right so you were having to do no. it right right so i could get my wiring limits raised but there aren't any wells fargo branches in the state of massachusetts wells right. fargo i became a wells fargo customer when i moved to vegas in 2008 and so it was not very yeah. convenient and paypal ended up having some sort of i, I tried to to transfer five thousand dollars via paypal they blocked that and 
I asked them, I, I used their live chat and I even tried calling their customer assistance and they said, why didn't you just, why didn't you just call one of your buddies that was coming out? Cause a bunch of people from Vegas came out that certainly could have lent you $10,000 in cash. But you can't bring cash there only to Atlantic city. And, and the tournament was set up in Jersey city. So I would have had to rent a car and go down to Atlantic city. You couldn't bring cash to Jersey City. You could not bring cash to Jersey City because they don't have. Are they worried you were going to get mugged or something? I don't know. I mean, I, I always thought Atlantic City was supposed to be more dangerous, but Jersey City was quite lovely. Actually, it was. It had nice views of of New York. I'd never been there. Never been to Hoboken either. So this was a cultural experience. Something to check off my bucket list. Okay, so who else was in the competition? Let's see. People we know: uh, Gil Alexander. Host of, How did he do? Uh, he, I don't know. I think he had an entry with Jay Rude, who's MGM director of race and sports. He, I think he got knocked out at some point on Saturday. Got you know, if you're not first, you're last. But yeah. I, How did you know, I think was it, Cheetah there? Was Preston there? Cheetah was not there, um, but he, I, I believe, was part of an entry, uh, had friends in New Jersey or something. I don't know. Because he had asked me about it, and that's why, like, I talked to him about it and talk, told him that you were going, etc. So, anyways, right. was there was there anyone there that you like actually were like, oh, this guy's a good sports better? You know, I mean, there was. Let's see. I mean, there were a lot of the daily fantasy people because there were, I think, ninety seven automatic qualifiers from daily fantasy sports events. There was. I hung out a lot with Dan Fabrizio, who is the head of Sports Insights, which is part of now part of the Action yeah, Network. Dan's a good and, dude. And I've known Dan's Dan for. Yeah, I've yeah, known Dan a good... for a number of years. I think did I met he, him. Did he compete in this? He did. I met him at Sloan maybe like seven or eight years but ago. He's not and, like and... a real sports better either. No, but he went for there's there's there was a nice overlay, and he went for that. And I think part of it was also the fact that you know I think we were hoping that there would be a, a nice social element too. Just just like you know, I go to Sloan Sports Conference most years, not because I, I think I'm going to learn much from any of the panels, but because of the networking and just the fun social events like going to bars. So there weren't any, were there any other pros there that you recognized? Any other pros? I met, I met a bunch of people that, you know, said they bet props for a living and, and, and things like that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody that you would know. I, I met a few people. So how, so Spanky wasn't allowed to do this. Spanky was not allowed to do this. No. Cause he was banned by DraftKings. Got it. It. Interesting. Uh, I did meet Spanky though. We we hung out on on Friday night. We got some drinks. He and his friend Mike. Yeah. He's he was uh he was very complimentary of you after the fact. No, he was he, he was a nice guy. With you know, it's always fun to talk to people like uh, like that who who've you know obviously had a lot of experience in this world and and you can you know a lot of the same people and and um yeah I mean you you know what I'm talking about Jeff. It's, it's a lonely world we live in, the sports betting world. So to compare notes with someone is always fun. Like that weekend that you came out and we were just riffing on different plays, etc. That was fun. Made me feel a little less lonely in the world. So okay, so no, so it doesn't sound it doesn't sound like it was that exciting from a networking standpoint. Like there were some people out there, but like not not what you would expect for like the you know most probably the the highest profile sports betting competition that there's ever been. Right. You're right. The, the networking was not, you know, it, it wasn't like Sloan for, for example. Right. 
There were none of the Seville people were there. Like Seth didn't go out there. No, I think Seth went to the went to Fosbro for the Patriots game. And I don't think Seth has tweeted out anything about about this at all. It's the Seville yeah, people have been gradually, you, you relatively guys are, you guys are such rivals now on Twitter. <laughs> the Seville guys have been relatively quiet about it all. You guys are frenemies. Well, there's nothing to make fun of because you did well and got screwed over. So it's, <laughs> it's like, what are that? That's not in their sweet spot of things to make fun of, you know? Okay, no. so the competition sounds like it wasn't the highest level of competition, even though it probably doesn't matter, given like the the you know, like you've mentioned a bunch of times, there was a lot of luck involved, etc. Yeah, it wasn't a sports. It wasn't a sports handicapping competition. It was. It was more of. I think it was more like you know maybe two percent handicapping and ninety eight percent strategy and game theory and luck. Okay, so what was your high level strategy going in? So I considered a few different strategies, Jeff. The first thing I considered in terms of, and I thought this would maximize my time as well, was to just go there and risk all $5,000 of my bankroll on some like, you know, 30 to one or 40 to one long shot. I thought that way I'm either going to, I'll go and I'll either win first place or I'll be eliminated. However, I I realized that with the live, uh, with the live leaderboard and all that, um, if I hit that parlay, People would see what I was at, and I'd have a big target on my back. And just like in football, I think in contests like this, people ha- are more, you know, people that are more aggressive. Well, the more optimal strategy is to be aggressive. And I think people um, are going to be more aggressive when they're forced to be, when they see somebody uh, with a bankroll much higher. So, uh, you know, I think that right. You're, this and, is the classic. This is the classic. You're not trying to beat the S and P 500. You're trying to be the best of you know 200 something people. Right, but so but being also I'm saying I'm saying if, if if being aggressive is definitely more optimal. But mm-hmm. I think if you if you were too aggressive and you try to go for like you know the win on day one, you end up incentivizing other people to do the same thing because they see they have to do that. It's it's like being down in a football game. You're actually exactly. like exactly. Right, you're playing. Got it. Okay, so exactly. So, so that was you didn't want to do thirty to one. Well, the other problem with that is that the limits were not high enough to be able to do that. A lot of times, the limits were the payouts were capped at a certain amount. So, what you do is I what what I would do is I'd put in a bet for a million dollars or try to, and they'd reject it, and you would see what they would come back with. They would say, "You can press it. You can get this for one thousand four hundred and seventy-two dollars and twenty-three cents." And believe me, every single time it was a number that ended in cents. It was never a round number ever. It's their algorithm. It's I know they use uh, Canby, which is uh, a you know line making, odds making, whatever Canby technology back in Europe. It's a company, a Swedish. Sports, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sports betting company. So, so I, I like, think the reason that we get those, sorry. I think the reason we get such such crazy numbers and there aren't round numbers is because they're probably you know they're doing they're they're not used to the United States dollar there. They're used to the what is it the krona. You don't think it's just that they're capping to win, so like yeah, no. the amount you bet is going to be a non-round number. Well, the amount that it, the to-win amount always is also a non-round number. It'll be like oh, you can really? wager thirty-two thousand. You can wager thirty-three thousand six hundred seventy-one dollars on the Eagles plus two seventy-five to win ninety-one thousand something something something. Okay, so what yeah. was your high-level strategy? You didn't want to do the so, thirty-to-one, and do also that. a lot of these smaller bets. That's where capped. So your strategy became 
So I kind of tried to reverse engineer and, and, and think about what it would take to win this contest. And then based on that, what it would take to sort of um, have a chance going into the final day. And I figured it would probably take somewhere in the, in the range of like around 100 to 120,000 to win probably. Um, but that all depended on how people you were going to have 20 extra money to have a chance to win. Yes. Because think about this. If you have 250 people entering, I mean, if every single one of them, I mean, takes a 20 to one shot, um, you're going to have a good deal of them that actually hit it. So thinking that way, I mean, it almost sounds like people are playing way, you know, way suboptimally if, if that doesn't actually win, if, if it's way higher than that, or sorry, unless it's way higher than that. You know, I, I think that, I think if people are playing more optimally, a, a, you know, the number would be that's a little a higher. Really, that's a really interesting analysis. I like that. The, the, why, did you the pick, other thing, why did you though. settle on 20 to 1 as that sort of analysis? Because you, certainly you could play out that scenario up to like 30 to 1, 40 to 1, 51, even 200 to 1, theoretically. That one person could hit 200 to 1. Right. Um, I mean, I didn't pick 20 to 1 for any real reason. The, the whole point was just that um, that more people should be at that number than if, if people play, you know, if people took a strategy of just trying to hit that one big bet, then more people should be at that number. More people should be getting to a hundred thousand, and you know, right. Theor- I mean, like it's actually like 000. it would actually be an interesting thing to do out from a distribution standpoint because I bet you could kind of come to some sort of like number that seems realistic that someone would get to, and it's interesting because I think like it's reasonable what you came up with, even though it sounds like almost outlandish at first. Like a hundred k sounds outlandish at first, but then how you came to it, it sounds interesting. It sounds sounds reasonable. You know, you could simulate it out, and I, I thought about doing so, but you'd have to you'd have a whole bunch of assumptions you'd need. But I, I thought that I would learn a lot on Friday based on what people did. I, I thought that. Um, so, what did you do on Friday? I literally just twiddled my thumbs, and I, I made one hockey bet, actually two hockey bets. One, like, but like five hundred dollar plus two ten bet, which had a big lead and then lost, and and then I also took the same thing plus one and a half for like $200 just because I wanted to have something to root for. And I figured like, you know what, if I win, then I have a few more shots I can take. Right. I, I don't have to take quite as big a long shot. And if I lose, I'm still completely in it. So I basically had no real plan on Friday. It was just to sort of see how things played out and then wait and take my shot on Saturday. And on Saturday I wanted to, I thought that that the range I would need to get to um, was probably going to be around the 30 to 50,000 range have a chance going into Sunday because I knew Sunday while you know you could only bet the NFL games I I would have basically a chance to quadruple my money probably at least because there are two games I could if I had did a two-team parlay I I could I could quadruple my money and there also what I could do a money line parlay so right so so what did what was the Friday leaderboard what did that look like and how far behind were you so I was surprised at how conservative people were. I think ten people were eliminated. I ended up, I would, I ended up with maybe forty five hundred, I think, forty five or forty six hundred, and the leader had around thirty thousand. But there were only three people that were over fifteen thousand. So only three people out of the two hundred and fifty some odd people had tripled their money, and I thought the leaderboard would be um, much higher simply because. I heard all these things about all these people betting the Hawks money line because DraftKings had been too slow to adjust to 
Uh, I think Joel Embiid being injured or out for the game. And you know other who books. he is? Yeah, he's on the Sixers. What position does he play? Is he a stretch four? No. Do you not know for That's real? Yeah. No, he's a big man. So he's a five. Yeah, exactly. Or is he a stretch four? I don't know. What, what college the, did he go to? Uh, you know, I can't tell you. I don't bet NBA. You know I don't bet NBA. That's why I'm messing The with last you. time I watched an NBA game was, you know, I don't know, a long time ago, start to finish. Okay, so they, so there was, so you thought a lot of people might have had the Hawks money line because of that, and the Hawks money line was probably pretty I, I was hearing they that. They won 121 in that game. Yes, and because DraftKings had plus 650, I think, and everybody else had moved to plus Five twenty or I don't know, and somehow it moved, and then because yeah, I, of all these know, the contest like, bets, it moved all the way to plus three seventy five or something like that. I feel like that first day, there's probably a bunch of people that just don't want to get knocked out, and they don't want to get knocked out on like an NBA money line that's six to one, even if there is value. I agree, but you know what? I if I had known that, and, and here's the other thing though, if if you take that six to one money line. There are probably going to be other, my thought is that there are there going to be there are going to be other people doing the same thing, and so you don't want you want to zig when people zag, and so I think mm. that for that reason I wouldn't have wanted to take that money line at least not for big money even if I knew it was there because I, I kind of want to differentiate myself from the field, which is why I think the parlays were a better solution because you knew you know you'd be diversified. The other thing though, you made a good point about people being conservative, but I think the other reason people were conservative, Jeff, is that it was real money. This was not like a poker tournament where you're, you know, you have your buy-in and whether or not you win or lose the tournament, you know, that if you lose the tournament, you get zero, you know, you're down to zero. You could end this tournament with money and you get to take it home with you. And I think there, there were so many DFS qualifiers who probably said, you know, they're recreational bettors or people that aren't used to betting very much. And they were like, well, I get $5,000. This isn't too bad. And so I think they, those people would probably be more likely to be, overly conservative but okay, so you know after day one you had bet on some hockey game you were in the middle of the pack something like that and yeah then all of a sudden you go to saturday i go into saturday yeah and i basically i, I wanted to find some parlays as i said i wanted to get into that 30 to fifty thousand dollar range and so i went and i tried to find some good bets that were positive ev because you know, I said that the competition was 2% handicapping and I wanted to at least do well with those 2%. So I went through, they had a lot of nice golf offerings, even though the VIG was 8% on a lot of them and went through that. I went through NFL stuff. You know, I liked, we both talked about it this last week. I liked the chiefs and I liked the Rams and they had some nice alternate point spreads on both the chiefs and Rams that were at least positive EV relative to a barely positive EV uh, relative to that point spread, but not by a lot. So the, and these were unfortunately ba- very chalky ones. So Rams plus three and a half minus four fifty five, And I think chiefs plus four, uh, some like minus four twenty five or something like that. And so those were ones. So I basically wanted, I part like, and then I, I and then some NHL stuff as well, that was positive EV. And so basically I, I, I wanted to try to parlay together those things, the highest edge ones, and and create some parlays that gave me a chance to hit that thirty to fifty range, and it was it was tricky using the DraftKings, uh, the website, 
and trying to basically figure out what they would and wouldn't let you do and what they wouldn't would and wouldn't let you parlay. Like for example, I could parlay Y.E. Yang beating a group of two other golfers that he teed off with, with some other guy beating another group of, you know, Russell Knox beating his two partners. I could parlay that, but I couldn't parlay them with Ches Reevy beating five other golfers who were also independent. Like they weren't, overlapping golfers sorry did you ask them why you couldn't parlay those no there's there's nobody to ask really i mean DraftKings, they have um yeah i i learned with when, when signing up I, I learned that they were not the most responsive uh when it came to customer service right there's not there's not a number you can call either unfortunately so i think after this after this podcast we should try to see if DraftKings will be a sponsor that's yeah, after we spend a, like an entire 45 minutes shitting on them we'll say like hey, could you, hey. jason jason robbins do you want to be our sponsor no bad idea i don't know jeff i don't know <laughs> we still there's there's a long way to go and seeing how things shake out for me at least so <laughs> so you still have a chance so I, i'll be polite be in your in your benefit okay so anyway, I parlayed, I ended up with, let's see, how many parlays did I have? I have a sheet right here. Um, I had, I placed five different parlays. The first one, you'll like a few of these. Um, I parlayed, actually, this is the last one I placed with the leftover money I had. Pat Mahomes to score the first touchdown at 25 to one with the Rams plus three and a half at minus 455. So that ended up being something that paid off, would pay off 34 to one. It was Risking six hundred and seventy dollars to win twenty three thousand. Why was it risking six hundred and seventy? It was that was because that's the most they would take on that. So the liability related to um, you know to, the to win amount, but it was different for different types of bets. And so sometimes it was why did you difficult why to did figure you pick out Mahomes just because it was the longest odds? No, there they were like you know defensive linemen it listed at hundred to one, but I actually thought Mahomes twenty five to one provided some value. I didn't you know I'm not really ready. For, for props yet, I'm overhauling my prop stuff before the Super Bowl this year. But I do know that based on Mahomes' um, rushing frequency, um, he should he should have more touchdowns than he had, has had. He also had a two-point conversion this year. So he oh, had like two that. rushing touchdowns and a two-point conversion. There also is this theory that quarterbacks will be more aggressive running the ball, especially running quarterbacks in the postseason because they're not saving themselves, save themselves for anything. Or- However, later I actually did look at this and I did a sort of fish effects. Yeah, it's kind of a bullshit narrative. There's there isn't really yeah they running back or quarterbacks do not run more frequently in the postseason. So is it really so, hard to put a position Mahomes? By the way, was it hard to put a bet on Mahomes? You know, put a possessive on Mahomes. Mahomes. Mahomes's. Mahomes. 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 <laughs> anyway, there we go. Uh, moving so, on. So that lost. So, that lost, mm-hmm. although it actually had a chance to win. Um, on the, on da- Damien Williams scored the first touchdown, but it was yep. sort of on a read option play where where oh, yeah, he could have he could have uh, he could have read himself and ran in. Yeah, backside. But Mahomes did score a rushing touchdown later in the game. I should was it the last oh, yeah, touchdown of right. the game? He ran on that scramble. It might have been the last touchdown yes, of the game because a- Mahomes Mahomes was twenty five to one to score the last touchdown. I thought about putting that in a different parlay, but. He's yeah, Damn first touchdowns so more likely to be rushing touchdowns. Okay, so what won for you then on Saturday? So the parlay that won was uh Charles Howell to win a group 
through these sort of six way groups. So he had to beat five other golfers and he was at plus four fifty. He ended up shooting six under and, and winning that by one stroke over uh Brant Snedeker and um Sung J M, who were both five under. That was parlayed with just the Rams minus seven and the Chiefs minus five. So that was I wagered seven one thousand seven hundred and twenty six dollars to win thirty two thousand one hundred and eighty dollars and fifteen cents. So that's the max they would take on that parlay. So 18.64 to one. The other parlay I hit, and this is the one that the newspapers and were, were sort of saying that, or the blogs were saying that I hit this five team parlay for $437 to win $35,190. That actually ended up being a parlay to only win 8,831 8, because that reduced. So I bet the Rams plus three and a half laying a big price. The Red Wings money line at two plus 200, that one. And I had um, Julian Etulane to beat Scott Brown and uh, Cameron Smith in a group, that one. But I had two other golf uh, matchups. I had Charles Howell against Michael Thompson and Davis Love, where Charles Howell ended up at six under, but so did Davis Love. So that kind of reduced. It was a win push. And same thing with Brian Stewart beating Roger Sloan and Dominic Bozelli. That was sort of a win push too. So that reduced. This is the most so I, ridiculous. <laughs> Just ridiculous. I love it though. Okay. This is, sorry. Gil called these the, the Rufus funky parlay strategy. And the funny thing is the, the, the bet that I stood to win the most on was um, a, a five leg parlay. I ra- wagered 1,494 to win $66,301.56. And that involved the Rams plus three and a half, the Chiefs plus four, the LA Kings money line, the St. Louis Blues money line. Those all in all four of those legs won, but I needed Ches Reeve to win his six man group um, that, at plus 450. I made him plus 422 true price. He was five under at the turn, five under through nine holes. Um, and he ended up bogeying 11, 12, and 13. And Keith Mitchell shot seven under. So Reavy did not win. He ended up birding a few more to get to minus four. But but that would have been, if I'd hit that somehow, it would have been, I mean, I feel like, it, you know, I would have been a prohibitive favorite going into the last day with over 100. I think my, my bankroll at that point would have been 110,000. I would have more than doubled up anybody else. Okay, so you're at you're at. So what were you at after day two then? I was at just shy of forty three thousand dollars, and I was in fourth place. Okay, so what's going on in your head at that point? You're you're like, what are you what are you thinking? So I'm I'm thinking that I basically need to double up twice to win. So I think if I can do that, I'm gonna win though. So I have a very good chance to win. Uh, so very simply, you decide I'm going to go all in in the first NFL game, and then if I win, I'm going to go all in in the second NFL game. Yeah, basically. But I, I was after the first game, I was going to assess the situation and see dep- if somebody had hit a big parlay beforehand. And let's say I I go all in. If I I would have gotten to eighty, I did get to I think eighty one or eighty two thousand. If if somebody else was sitting at a hundred thousand, uh, or someone let's say had hit a big money line. Maybe they parlayed the Chargers with, or parlayed, actually right. I had the Patriots. So if they had parlayed the Patriots with, you know, a total, so, or, so if they had, or if they had, or if they had taken some alternate point spread, like Patriots, you know, minus 16 or something, they, it had a big plus money, and they were taking big limits on those. So, you know, if someone was at like 130 and I was at 80,000, then I knew that I would have to hit a parlay for the last game. Were the limits they were letting you take consistent with the limits they were letting the public take? 
I don't think they were. I actually looked in the DraftKings Sportsbook on Sunday. It, at one point, I was, you know, I was afraid that I'd accident, you know, I didn't want to accidentally put in a bet or something. So I put it, I went into the regular account to sort of put in a million dollar bet to let them reject it and sort of see what they would take. And the limits were a little bit, were substantially less than when I was in the actual uh, SBNC app or the, you know, okay. when I was logged into the SBNC account. So I, I think that they were, here's the thing, you were getting the, 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 the base limits though. They, they, you know, you couldn't ask for approval on anything. That was the thing. So you had to click, you had to come, you had to accept what they, what the little algorithm gave you. Okay. So you, the Patriots one must've been easy for you because you thought there was value on the Patriots at minus four when it was at minus three and a half. I would assume that that was like a really easy decision to go all in then. Well, I made the decision when it was minus four and when it moved to three and a half, yes, it made it easier. But, but the big thing for me at that point was trying to think game theoretically about what other people were going to do. And I thought that I would see a lot of people probably on chargers money line just because you 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 know you can win more with that and yes i did like patriots and i think i was like at this point i want to stick with you know if, i thought if i could double up i was putting myself in the running and out of all the bets i could use to double up basically being patriots chargers over or under the patriots was the most likely to get me there so that's why i took it okay so you take patriots money line sorry patriots minus three and a half you go all in on that and maybe 25 minutes, 20 minutes into that game, you're thinking to yourself, I'm in pretty good shape, right? Well, actually 20 minutes in when pages went up like 14 points, I was kind of like even more nervous. I was like, Oh crap. Like this is, you know, this is going to be a letdown if it loses. I, I, had, I, like I had hedged a little myself with, with some, I, I bet some chart. So at that point I bet some chargers myself, um, like not for the tournament before the game started, because to me it made sense given the value of the entry. Okay. So I, we don't want to hear about that because that's okay. lame, but we just want to hear about you continuing on this. So you're, you're so 20 minutes in, they're up 14. No, sorry. They're not 14, nothing. It was seven, seven. It was and seven, they went seven, up 14, seven. And then, yeah, they 14, went up 28, seven, 21, seven. So when they're 28, up 28, seven. seven, when they're up at 28, seven, what are you thinking? I'm thinking, Oh crap! I'm really nervous. I don't know what to do for this late game. Like, I I don't want to blow it. I'm gonna be in a really good position, but you know, I don't I don't know how to play from ahead. That was my thought. And then that's when you texted the smartest person you know, me, and you asked me for advice. Oh wait, you never texted me, so I had to stay in the zone. <laughs> okay, so your thought process at that point is what do I do in the second game? What do I do? And so at that point, you know what most people have. So what did you think the scenario would be after game one? So I thought the scenario would be, number two would be um, Moneyline Mike at 57,000 because he had a parlay you would have how much? with the over. 81 or 80, I think 81,000. So I would have had a, a lead of 24,000 on him. The thing is, okay. I looked through you know, all these entries as best I could, but there could have been some weird, crazy parlay that I didn't see that could have, you know, I mean, cause look, I was someone that basically went from like 4,000 or 3,000 up to 43,000. I wasn't on anybody's radar and it was like, boop, there I am. So I, I figured there's probably somebody somewhere that had something like that. And I think someone was telling me there was, if somehow um, the Chargers game had gone under and then, um, yeah, this other guy could have ended up with 
that with parlayed to the with the Saints money line to win to be at like ninety five thousand dollars or something like that. So, or maybe even higher. So I I, I was uh, you know I, I knew that there was probably something that I wasn't aware of that was going to happen. So I didn't want to be too set in stone on my thinking. But basically, I thought that I wanted to get to a point where nobody could double up and pass me if 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 my bet hit. So I really thought that you'd see a lot of people playing Eagles money line because since it's only one game, you can't, there aren't a lot of parlay options. And so the Eagles money line is kind of the best long shot bet. And I saw the limits they were taking. They would take up to $33,671 and 18 cents or something like that on, on the Eagles money line. So that could win quite a lot. So somebody could way more than double up on that. And, and one thing I hadn't thought about, which I found out later is that, you know, you could also, you could bet that money line and then still get like a full limit on the point spread too. I'd kind of, I had not thought that I hadn't even thought to, to look and see if, if the limits on the point spread are affected by, by the money line bet. But I, I basically figured that people behind would be hit, trying to hit these parlays. Um, and a lot of those would involve the Eagles money line. So, you know, do you, do you think that that's accurate, Jeff? Do you think that people that were further behind, you'd expect them to sort of go for these, these sort of big yeah i mean at that point well so again like what's interesting about this is the fact that you get to keep your money right so at some point do these people basically like quit in their minds and just say okay i'm going to take this money so maybe they're not thinking as you know aggressive as they should um so i'm I'm not sure like i'm winner take all either Right. It's not a winner so, take all contest. I think I think like if I were in your position at that point, what would I have done? I probably would have refreshed my app a bunch of times and hoped that, that balance would come up. And when it didn't, I would have thrown my phone through the window. Yeah. Is that what happened? I mean, I was refreshing a lot. I was also refreshing this the leaderboard. And I was right. like, oh, like like in and I was like, these other ones have graded. Why hasn't mine graded? Why hasn't mine graded? Mine's like nothing. Like and yeah. And when the game started and it was almost like so I had all this anxiety about it. And then the game started and suddenly I was like, there was no anxiety. I was just kind of in disbelief. I was like, I felt like I was in some That's sort of alternate really universe happened. where I was like, I was like, did this really just happen? I was leading this and then somehow the bet didn't grade and this game started. And it's not like they could delay the start of the game. The game started. I was like what can happen now? Like I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. But, but not, but not the first but thing not I did. What? Yeah. Well, the first not thing to be I did dick was, or anything, right? But like, you've bet long enough to know that these these systems are bad, and they they just like there are plenty of times when shit doesn't grade very quickly when it should. Like it doesn't make sense how long it takes some of these bets to grade. I right? agree with. I mean, you've generally with that before. With like prop bets and stuff, prop bets take forever to grade a lot of the time. But but those are Even, those require a lot of manual entry. And I think that I mean Chris I mean, takes a long time. Chris takes a long time to grade their bets. I don't know if you've noticed, but Chris takes a long time. They do. Have you ever been into a Vegas sports book? Yes, a legal, a legal sports book. How long does it take the bets to grade after after the game's over? For for a uh, side, I don't know. I don't really ever win when I'm in Vegas because I'm just like betting things for fun things i bet in the vegas post sports actually i'll be honest i don't think i ever went to the counter right after a bet <laughs> was decided so you have no idea okay wait i'm sorry but, i skipped I, ahead i skipped ahead because okay. i want to i want to hear back we were talking about the the theory what or do. what what you're going to do and so you're thinking to yourself okay 
most people are going to most people behind me are going to try to there has to be some something somewhat substantial for them to do like i mean the guy that's 20k behind you what do you expect that he's going to do because he's like the one that potentially you're the most worried about from a strategy standpoint right Right. I here. Here's what I decided. I, I decided that I was if the Eagles. You know, normally you want to emulate or imitate or whatever. You know, whatever. They're the same thing. But uh, you want to you want to mimic the bets behind you because that way people can't pass you. But I actually thought in this situation I didn't want to do that because I thought that, um, uh, you know, I thought that was a little too risky. Um, because I thought that there would be if the Eagles won outright, there was a very good chance somebody hits some crazy parlay and beats me, even if I bet on the Eagles, unless I like even if I wagered my entire bankroll on Eagles on the spread. And it turns out that I was right in my thinking because Moneyline Mike ended up betting a bunch on the Eagles Moneyline and the Eagles spread and would have gone from 57,000 to 170,000 had the Eagles in fact won outright and won. So, so what I really wanted to do was be aligned. Like I wanted a situation where if the saints won the game, then I was going to win. I, I was okay with, I knew that if the Eagles won outright, I would lose. And I was okay with that. So I wanted to basically figure out the bet that was most likely to get me to a number where I felt comfortable that nobody would pass me if that bet hit. So because I, I feel so now like you're, so, so basically now you're not aligning yourself with where you think the best value is. You're aligning yourself with what you think the most probable outcome is. Yes. At this point, like, sure, I could have bet, you know, New Orleans minus eight was a better bet than New Orleans minus five minus 175, which is a better bet than. New Orleans minus four minus one ninety five, but right, um, and and the New Orleans money line is minus three sixty. And actually, I looked at that first. I was like, "What did that get me to?" And it turns out that would have only gotten me to like you know one hundred and four thousand or something like that. I mean, because it was yeah. And so and and I didn't think that was enough because fifty seven thousand could have doubled up and caught me. So I was basically I, rather than the the most positive EV bet, I wanted the most likely outcome that would get me to a number where I thought I, I would win if that won. So right. and that so that was so minus four minus one ninety five minus five minus one seventy five were considerations, um, and you know even minus three minus two twenty five. But I didn't think I thought that was going to be a little bit too. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think the worst thing that would it could have happened if is, is if I did something like at least mentally to me, and this is sort of the loss aversion. If I did something like that, minus three, minus two twenty five, and and that bet wins, and somebody still passes me because I just wasn't aggressive enough. So I, I was going to put my entire bankroll down on this. Um, that's you know, I wasn't. I mean, because I I thought that made the most sense, putting my entire bankroll down and 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 having. Like and trying to do it on a bet that is most likely to get me to that number, and so uh, I was in between much, those numbers. So much, and but, but Jeff, here's the thing. You... Sorry, ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say I didn't know exactly what the number was because I still didn't know what, um, where the people behind me would be. I knew that there'd be one person at yeah. fifty-seven thousand, and I didn't know if there'd be anybody higher than that, and I didn't know how many people would be right around there. I hadn't. I'd done a little rough calculation and looked through. But I didn't have this set up as like, okay, there's going to be five, you know, this guy's going to be 57. This guy's going to be exactly 53, blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, so I was waiting and I kind of was going to see where everybody was and then go with it. And it was, it was really stressful because I was like, I'm going to have to think super fast. And I thought I would have a little more time than I did. Um, well, I thought I have a lot more time than, than like the absence of time. But, um, but what were you, what were you going to ask me?
Um, I was going to ask you, I'm trying to remember what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you about the, you know, your, the, oh, about whether, how much you thought about the fact that you had whatever, $70,000 or $80,000, mm-hmm. right? You had already 16 or 8x your money from the entry yeah. fee, right? I think that you would have considered that if you walked away at that moment with that money in tow, a successful day, a successful weekend, right? Well, going into the weekend, yes, for sure. But given that I got there, no, I, I thought I was, I, I wanted to be in a situation, I was going to be in a situation where I either took home the million dollars or took home nothing because that was where the EV was. And I figured, I mean, I, at the time, like, for example, the reason I sort of hedged on chargers is because I thought I would have time between the games to actually be able to, um, to hedge out on the last game as well, because there was so much EV there that I figured if I, you know, let's say I bet like, you know, some sort of Eagles spread, actually I'd open up a middle if I did that. Damn, that would have been really good for me. No, no, no. I I get, I get that. That would have, I would have, Jeff, if this hadn't like, I could have had a really, it could have been even better. Yeah. Yeah, you would have probably middled it. I would have middled it. Yeah, theoretically. Damn, Damn I, I just thought about that part of it. Thanks. Yeah, don't worry about it. Thanks. But I, I already said that that's a lame strategy, anyways. That's like way too clinical. I like the strategy back when you were basically saying like, I wanted to come home with zero or a million dollars plus whatever I had. Or you wouldn't. It would have been more than a million, right? It would have been like a million. Would have been like one point two, which meant I would have won six point six sixty or five sixty five sixty. Yeah, so you would have won whatever donation I gave you, right? <laughs> For being your friend. Yeah. Okay. Um, Don't worry. So, so you would have then, won fifteen thousand dollars. So someone had mentioned something about you wanting to bet the under. Was that ever a consideration, or is that just that was a consideration? Decision? That was a consideration. I thought that if if somebody had gotten closer to me, I thought that if I needed to double up, my best bet was the under because I didn't think it had it was as good game theoretically, but I thought that the under was um, the more value. likely to hit than Saints minus eight, right? Because I made that total forty nine point nine, and at the time it was fifty two or fifty two and a half. Did you have a wager, independent wager on the under? I did not. I didn't think any of those bets were worth wagers. So everything was fairly you close to 50 50. You know, you had the second half under because we had the second half under in that game. Um, I don't know. I, I know we had the second half. We loaded up on Eagles second half after that because it because there was a ton of value. Did you did you take Eagles second half as well? No, we just we just had the uh, we had the under. Well, definitely won. Yeah, it won. It won by a lot, <laughs> handily. But I, but I was in a situation there where after the game began, well, we'll get there in a bit. Okay, so you're refreshing, and 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 I and and for me personally, not to bring myself into this, but like that is like the worst feeling in the world when you couldn't bet on something that you wanted to bet on, and you have to watch the game and see it play out. I think it's the worst yeah. feeling. In the- it's like well, it didn't. It didn't feel quite as bad when the Eagles scored a touchdown right at the beginning. But how about when they scored the next touchdown? <laughs> well, you know that right exactly. I mean, then I'm sort of like, well, maybe this is a blessing in disguise. Um, at least I'm not going to be at zero. But but then, and so I honestly think that was almost good in a way because it put me in a framework of being much more. Um, you know, I wasn't right. as upset. I think 
is it, you know if the if the Saints had scored two quick touchdowns, you know I don't think I would be as calm about it as I ended up being, even after the Saints came back and won. But funny how that works, right? So the so this plays out, and this you're plays like out, tweeting right. about this, this stuff. But did you go to the sports book at that point? The first the first thing I did when this happened, I, I called. I looked at my phone log here at four forty two p.m. After right after the game kicked off, and when my balance was still you called the one smartest cent, person you knew me, and I answered, I, and I said, "It's okay, no. it's okay. Life goes on." I called. I called John Aguiar, who's, um, who was one of the event organizers. He works at DraftKings, and he was he he'd been he'd been super friendly and helpful all weekend, and he seems like a really good guy. And he um he said, "Rufus is still trying to get paid by DraftKings." <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Hey, I live in Boston. They're they're in Boston. I don't know when I'm going to run into these people on the street, Jeff. So I, I run in. Uh, so I call him, and and I had his phone number already because I called earlier in the morning because I thought that that parlay that that I mentioned where the odds reduced, I I thought that it had been misgraded because I knew one leg reduced, but I had not seen. I did not notice that the Howell leg reduced. So I was like, why is this is such a weird pay amount? Like I thought there was something wrong, but I had his number, so I called it. He answered. I was like, um, I couldn't get my bet in. The game just started. Um, I just took a picture of the screen. Like, can I live bet it? What do I do? And he said, basically, hold on. Um, we'll call right back. And so um, I waited and waited. And, and 25 minutes later, I got a call back, basically with him saying, you know, it's it's unfortunate, um, but there's nothing we can do. <laughs> and you said? And I said, Hold on, I will. I'll head right over to the like view party warehouse sports book thing, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. And then I did and talked to him there. Stick and basically, he said the he said the same thing. And yeah, that was that. And you were and calm, I, or you were just like, "This is this is unacceptable." Can I talk to your superior? And then Jason yeah. Robbins came down, and he said, "No, no." I was pretty calm about it. I mean, I, I I empathized or sympathized. I don't know which words right in this case. Um, irregardless, but at this point, I, at this point, you were thinking that at this point you were in your mind thinking like I probably would have lost anyways. So yeah. this is maybe not so bad. And I tweeted out, you know, you know, at least if the Eagles win, I'll know it didn't cost me or something like that. In a way, I was yeah. And you were yeah. like, I'm kind of rooting for the Eagles to win now. Blah blah blah. And well, it looked like of, yeah. the Eagles. I mean. When did you, when did watching that game, when did you go, oh shit, the Saints are probably still going to win this game? Honestly, I never, I don't know. I just kind of, I feel like I was sort of in a different dimension or something. I, you know, first off though, I I did, I did understand the difficulty DraftKings um, was in at that point, given what had happened. I mean, because like, what can you do there? You can't just void all the bets. But what I did think they could do, and I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think I thought about this at the time. Uh, I wasn't as reasoned then, but looking back on it, if they had allowed those live betting markets to be open for, let's say five or 10 minutes after the game started, or even the entire first half, I don't know, either one of those, but basically allowed those markets to be open, but, but not revealed um, participants bets like they normally do 30 minutes after until all the markets were closed. So basically, given people that got shut out a chance to place a bet and then close the markets. 
and then reveal the what? weapons. I, so I, I don't think there's any hard. competitive advantage, really. I mean, you, because you I still wouldn't know that everybody was on the Eagles. Well, you can't okay, change so, the rules of the competition after so the Jeff, fact. So here's what the rules say. And, and this is from the terms and conditions. It says, quote, the best interest of the tournament and fairness are top priorities in decision-making. Unusual circumstances occasionally dictate that common sense decisions in the interest of fairness take priority over technical rules. Now, DraftKings has issued a statement after, I think everybody saw it, saying that you know they apologize for, uh, they realized that some bettors were not able to place bets after, you know, for on the second game because their wagers weren't graded quick enough and you know but but they followed the rules we, unfortunately we had to follow the contest rules now i i read this in the rules and i say well this seems like not the common sense decision and it seems like the opposite of something done in the interest of fairness so i mean that's 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 obviously my opinion on it and DraftKings obviously has a different opinion there um for good reason because if they admitted that the contest was unfair and the decision they made was unfair, that would not, um, that would open themselves up to a lot of, um, okay. Let, they do let's not say, want to open themselves up to. So let's say that they had just done this, opened up second half wagering, and that was it. So right. I, I don't think that's a great decision because at that point, well, if they had done that while at the same time not revealing people's bets, that makes sense. But if I'm able to see what everybody behind me is on, that puts me at a, this, that puts me an unfair advantage, don't you think? Yeah, no, that's fair. That that's so. Fair. I uh, I think basically the whole point of of not revealing everybody's bets, um, if if they if they do that, then you can keep betting open, or you can open it for second half betting, whichever. Let's do. Let's just do a fun a fun supposition. Let's assume that they said right away they were like oh shit we screwed up we're not going to reveal any of these bets and what we're going to do very quickly is allow people to bet up until the second half like up until the halftime wager and then we'll reveal everything right that's probably Jeff, a relatively fair thing were, no? were you not listening to the first th that was the, that was the suggestion i made i know i'm saying that that's the that's that's what they did now what would you so have you're agreeing with me yeah that's they had done that so what would you What's that? What would I have done at that point? Yeah, I would have. I would have been like, I would have bet the Saints probably money line because I would have been able to get a price on the money line at that point because the Saints were down so quickly. I think there was an interception on in the first play. Is that right, or was it the second play? It was the first play? First play, right? Like that's so almost that too perfect for you to say. By the way, I'm I'm kind of annoyed at that answer because it's that's too perfect. Really easy. Well, it's too it is easy at that but, point. Like, but what what else would I have done? Think about it. I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about the times like that I would miss if I missed a bet that, say, a model picked. I'm always looking for an opportunity to bet in game to get a better, as good, if not a better adjusted line than what my model pick would have been for the half for whatever reason. Right. As dumb as that's that exactly is. what I would have been doing, basically. With the live bet, yeah, I would have gotten a better price great. on the Saints and I would have been able to get a better, you know, I, I would have like been able to get a, a price on money line good enough so that, um, so that I could, you know, that I would get to that number I needed to get to, get to that one hundred and thirty thousand. Okay, that's fair. That makes sense. Yeah. I like that. So, um, Jeff, we didn't. You didn't mention. So, the other issue here that that we didn't mention was the fact that it wasn't just that that I wasn't able to get my bets down on 
um, and the Patriots minus three and a half bet didn't grade um, prop. Well, it apparently graded in time, but the funds were not credited to my account in time. Now, the other problem was like in, in that apparently DraftKings has said that everybody that had Patriots minus three and a half straight bet had that same problem. Now, the thing is Moneyline Mike behind me had his graded and his funds credited super quickly at, at 437. It had four full minutes to figure out his 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 bet and get his bet down. And he had Patriots par- minus three and a half parlayed with the over for that game. So somehow that bet graded before my Patriots minus three and a half. And I think that's the problem there, that some people's bets graded and, and they have those funds available and others did not. It's a little weird, right? It's a little it is a little weird. weird. I mean, it's, it's a little weird that it took these that long to grade, first of all. And then it's weird yes. that some got graded and some didn't. And, you know, like you said, it, it's it's understandable if it was an obscure prop bet, but the fact that your straight minus three and a half didn't grade in time is crazy. Right. That that's the bet you think that's gonna be the first one to be graded. You don't really think there's gonna be a problem with waiting for that bet. Because not, that's the bet like, that, that is the big market. That's the big market. And right, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, there wasn't a last minute field goal to, to change it or anything like so that. So do you think this this was like Johnny Avello's revenge against you for saying that he doesn't understand how to price the roughing the passer penalty? <laughs> I did not actually you know I I met Jay Rude this weekend. I did not meet Johnny Avello. So maybe maybe think it was that's maybe revenge because you did bring that up and you basically called him a clown, so whatever. Well, I just Don't said he wasn't a great people. Odds maker tops, and I don't even know if he's the guy making that number. He just, I just know he's the director, so the buck stops with him, right? Just don't call people clowns. On I didn't call him a clown. That's a podcast that maybe seventeen people listen to, so maybe you shouldn't do that because those seventeen people will tell other people. (laughs) Um. Okay, so let's just so all that happens, you get screwed. Basically, wait. There's one other thing that. And and that that I heard that is that some people were able to go to the help desk and get bets graded manually quicker. Um, and to me, that I think is completely unfair. And I think you'd agree with that. And I think that DraftKings has said that didn't happen, but I've talked to multiple people that said that they either did it themselves or saw, or had saw people do it. So I, I, you know, I don't know who to believe in that case, but I, I mean, either way, believe that happened. Yeah, but and, I don't think that's so unfair because, like, honestly, like. Uh, it's that I think was your fault. Like I, I, you were like sitting in your hotel room and in this very important time when you know, these people have the terrible technology. So just be where the technology won't even matter. Well, so, you know, you know, I was in my hotel room yeah, because I wanted, I, to be able to focus. I wanted to be able to focus and I wanted no distraction. And I'll tell you, I thought I was better off being there because the first day on Saturday, or I guess it's the second day, I, I was at the uh, the receptor the view party or the I think they called it the sports book. There wasn't actually a sports book there, but I tried to you know they had the internet and um, I, I connected and it thought I was in New York, so I had to like use my phone to be able to 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 get a bet in there. So Got I mean it. I thought that you know I didn't have that problem with my hotel Wi-Fi, which was fast. It was the I, I bought the premium Wi-Fi, which Jeff you should do next time you're in a hotel when we have to. We have I've to done that before. It just doesn't help our podcast. We have no ability to have good technical technical know-how on podcasts. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Well, so, so 
So I don't think I should be disadvantaged because I'm not physically at a certain place in New York when that's apparent. You know, the tournament's not supposed to be about. So if about if this that. were to happen again, you were in the same situation, would you have been at the watch party or would you have been at your hotel? Knowing what I know now, I'd be at the watch party so I could try to get my bet graded quickly. There, but there I didn't. Okay. I didn't. I had no idea that people were able to do that though. Okay. And, and to so, be honest, even in that situation, I don't know if, given how quickly things happen and that I only had a four-minute window, I don't know if I would have thought to go over and do that unless, I mean, that I wouldn't have thought that was an option unless I heard other people discussing that. And I'm guessing if I was at the watch party to focus, I would want to be in a little, little corner with this, as minimal uh, distractions as possible. So the moral of the story is you need to embrace human interaction more. You don't like humans, and it's, it's hard for you to embrace human interaction. Uh, okay, so all this, all this happens, and basically Will Lutz has a chance to win this for you and make everything, make everyone happy, and everyone goes home happy. Yeah. Did so you think out he was going to make that field goal? I mean, that, that field goal was dramatic, right? Because it was... Anyone that had the Saints minus seven and a half, and anyone might be the other person on this podcast, was thinking uh, like he's not going to make this right because yeah, it's just too guess. it's too perfect at this point. Like they've they've not been covering this whole time, and and he this is like our chance to get out of this, and and they they basically do somewhat what's the smart thing in that situation right they run what's a draw like something that they think isn't going to lose any points isn't going to turn the ball over and it's going to run the clock and maybe kamara you know he busts draws plenty of times and they lose five yards right yeah it was a big loss <laughs> so, i was i was rooting for them not to get the first down so that was good but yeah they and, were you they know, were I, only, they were still they were still at least one other first down away from like being able to run out the clock right yeah I guess. And, and also I kind of figured even if they kicked the field goal, the Eagles would come down and score or something. But I, at that point I didn't realize that if they won by exactly nine, I, I would have won the contest still at that point. I, or I, I realized at that point, someone told me like one play before the field goal, because the, apparently there was somebody that had a parlay of saints minus nine and a half in the under. And that was, because they do take that parlay because it's negatively correlated. They wouldn't, you know, take minus nine and a half in the over. But that, um, so I, I didn't realize, um, I, I didn't think, he, I didn't know he had nine and a half. I assumed it was, you know, eight or eight and a half like the market. So, so I, yeah, I, I would have won in that case. I would have won if, if the Saints had covered the seven and a half and the game went over. And I would have gotten second place if they had covered the seven and a half and it went under and i ended up third place because they won but didn't cover and if the eagles had won outright i think i would have gotten like sixth or eighth or something like that so all right well there it is um what oh this is an anticlimactic ending here well i mean like everyone knows what happens you've been a media darling going all over the world like i i feel like if you'd really wanted to be climactic <laughs> on the podcast you saved all this for the podcast i've had to listen to I feel like I'm your floppy seconds anyways. Well, um, I think this so, is the definitive so, history though. Yeah. So, so then that, that, that it happens. Okay. And, and you know, you, you realize you're not first, you realize you're third. What's the feeling then? And then, and then what do you do next? Honestly, the feeling was kind of the same. Um, I mean, I was, I was like 
I mean, the feeling when I realized that I still I would have won, like if that hadn't happened, was like I mean, it wasn't good. But at the same time, I still wasn't somehow I wasn't like I, I wasn't as upset as I sort of thought I would be if you told me this happened before because I think I'd already wasted all this, you know, anxious energy. Yeah, but I early, texted you. I texted you at one point, and I was like, "Wait, you won three hundred thirty thousand! Congrats!" And you were like, "I got screwed," and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> well, I mean, I did feel that way because. You know, Jeff, would you ever really have not just ready to talk about this yet? <laughs> no, here, like, here's my question. Let's say you were at the final table of a poker tournament in the chip lead. Would you ever just decide the right move is to just eat the blinds and just keep eating the blinds and hope that somebody else gets knocked out? I mean, like, people, basically, people the process the behind this was, but, but oh, okay, got it. we're, so we're, we're about process here. The pro, like, yeah. the, the, the the sitting on the $81,000 bankroll was never the right option. It was never plus EV play. And and regardless of whether, and I'll say this, regardless of whether my bet won or lost, um, you know, the the expectation of having that bet is worth a lot. Agree? Okay. That's a good moral so, of the story. Moral of the story is always bet the process, which is the name of our podcast. So that's good. Such a coincidence. Uh, do you feel like that's more climactic now that we tied it up like that? Yes. Okay. That makes me happy. Good. Okay. Um, okay. Do you have any sort of uh, beyond like the actual, you know, what happened, et cetera? Like, are there any takeaways about how you might have run that thing differently in terms of, or did you think it was a pretty fun format? Is it like what, what, you know, because clearly, like we said, there was a lot of luck involved and it wasn't the best handicapping competition, but. Have you been in handicapping competitions before? Yeah, I guess we you have theoretically because we were we were both in the we did the um, Westgate the super contest last year. Yeah, and that was I've a, been this, relatively uninteresting. I've been in the super contest before that, and you know had an entry with with my um, my betting partners at the time for over you know I think we did it for a few years in a row. I think we cashed maybe two of those years, but nothing like super super close to the top. But it's a very different. That's obviously a very different competition entirely. That's that is more handicapping. But it, I mean, but there is game theory involved in that as well. Um, both both the super contest and this involve a lot of luck. But I, I did think the format overall was was fun. You know, I, I I'm sure there's ways to improve upon it. I'm sure the the guys at DraftKings are going to be thinking about that too. But I thought it was a Probably fun format. Next time. Um, you're right. Probably not. But we'll see. I mean, they obviously have not gotten a lot of great PR about this recently, but I, I do think, I, I think, I don't think there would have been such an overlay if it had not been, or if it had been easier to, to register. I think that was the big problem. And, and, and also, I mean, I think the $10,000 entry fee is probably steep for some people. I think if, you know, let's say they reduce that to like, you know, $5,000, I think you'll get a lot more entrance, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they are just trying to draw like like they capped it at six hundred too. It was going to be between five hundred and six hundred people. I I don't know what you know if they want to keep it as sort of a fairly exclusive thing. Um, somebody mentioned before somewhere on Twitter maybe that they could have a satellite to get in, so you have to win something to get in. So it's not seen as just some guy hits some really lucky parlay, like with some guy named Charles Howell and almost wins. Right? You don't want that. You definitely don't want that. That just sounds sketchy. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's move on from this. I, I'm I'm proud of you, Rufus. 
I think you handled yourself really well. I'm proud to call you my friend. I'm proud to know the person that was the second runner-up, third-place finisher in the first-ever sports betting national championship. So, well, well, thanks, Jeff. And I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to have you as a friend. Uh, there, was some, there was some stuff on Twitter this week, and we're just going to talk about this one Twitter issue about the weather, and then we're going to do some NFL picks, and we'll save the rest for later because this has been a relatively substantive long podcast. Uh, impact of the weather on scoring. Impact of what, the weather on scoring, yes. Yes. What is it? Does scoring go down directly in correlation to the, uh, or sort of inverse to the temperature? Short answer, no, it doesn't. I think that's sort of a narrative, but it does not play out in the data, at least the data I have. I've tried to cut it and slice it. Cold, like if there's an Arctic blast or what was that thing the other day they called that last few years? Polar like vortex? Yeah, yeah. Polar, yeah. Ar- you have your Arctic blasts, your polar vortexes. Wasn't there something about Isn't a boom? Arctic something? I don't know. No. Maybe. Wait. Oh, it's. Yeah. I don't know. Like You know what I'm talking about? There was something like, that was like. Anyways. Like the winter so equivalent it's gonna of be if cold. you could have a hurricane, what it would be. It's going to be cold in Kansas City. It's going to be cold and it's going to be nighttime, which makes it colder because the sun's down. I'll explain that to all you guys later. Is that impacting you at all in terms of how you think about the total? Does that change your total? The weather does change my total a little bit, but it's it's less about the temperature and it's more about the wind. And it's more about the playing surface as well. I mean, so, you know, indoor on turf, you're going to see some more scoring than outdoor on grass um, with wind. So overall, though, I said there's no real correlation with the temperature and I've sliced it a lot of different ways and you can't really find any stati- anything statistically significant. You can, you know, I look at, you know, maybe... You can say, oh, what about just games under 50 degrees? And then is there a linear relationship among those games here, you know, or an exponential relationship or any relationship? And you and you see maybe, you know, under 50 degrees, maybe you could say there's a, a small relationship, um, but it's nothing very significant and definitely not statistically significant. But I think that the thing is, you when you have really cold games, they also tend to be windy. And that is the thing that does impact scoring, wind. So overall, Jeff, I, you know, I, I wanted to come into this podcast with some data to throw at you. So I, I did. Um, so in games with temperatures below 30 degrees, the, yeah. since 2000, overs have won 55.7% of the time. That's 108 overs and 86 unders in that time frame. Um, so it sounds like the market, and I think the market believes that that scoring is depressed in in cold games but if you look at it overall there has been in, in those games um in games let's say in games under freezing it's 53.2 percent and that's in situation those games have averaged 42.4 uh, points per game but you've also seen um 10.9 mile an hour wins on average and that's you know 10.9 miles an hour is is much more than an average game, which is 6.4 miles an hour, although that does include indoor games. But your average outdoor game has eight and a half miles an hour wins. So basically, I think that the the effect can get sort of mistaken or, or masked by the effect of wind sometimes. And if, I mean, obviously this is just one game, but look at, look at 
Foxborough for the the Patriots Chargers game this weekend. I mean, it was a cold game. I don't think it was a particularly windy game. I'm, I might be wrong. I mean, the weather was deli- looked delightful besides the fact that it was very cold. It was sunny right. out and it didn't look windy at all. Right. I mean, it, like, uh, let's think about it this way, Jeff. I'll ask you this. What through what mechanism would colder weather cause totals to be lower? People are cold and they don't want to play offense. They'd rather play defense. Good I know, I'm cold. I don't want to play offense. You like playing defense? <laughs> no, you know. You like so I, I agree with you. Obviously, like I, if there were any person that I would come to with this question and feel like the, he'd done a very solid analysis on it, it would be you. The 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 tweet that um, your really good friend RJ tweeted out was basically about uh, further cutting up the temperature from thirty to twenty to twenty to ten to below ten. God and below ten, I guess it's like zero for nine, something like that, to the over. So it's it's basically like the unders always coming in in that situation. Yeah, and, I'm seeing it two and six under ten degrees. Yeah, so it's it's. Anyways, the the point that I think you make, which is really interesting, which is being able to control other weather components beyond just the temperature, and those weather components are precipitation and um, and um, wind. And so, without knowing those, it's hard to know. And then also, obviously, anytime you start to cut up um, a trend or to cut up a, an analysis to bucket sizes that are pretty small, you start to lose a lot of credibility about what that even means. So right now in that game with that total 57, do you have a lean either way? Can that can segue into our NFL picks? So honestly, I'm, I haven't really, I'm a little bit behind in, in my work on the, on that stuff. Um, you know, I haven't updated some of the stuff from last week, but without having updated it, I would make the total uh, 57.6. So basically right around where the market is. And so, actually, that is not adding in the. That's not adding in weather. So I need to do that. So can you, can you, Jeff? Can you, can you tell me the wind speed forecasted wind speed here and rain or snow probability? Be seventy degrees. Seventy degrees. I mean, 70, 70 miles per hour. Is that is that a lot of wind? I you know I can put that in the model and see what it gives me. It says the total was seventy mile. An hour. It says the total. It's like great. when you is this like when Miami the Miami game had like a negative three total or something like because that? Because I put like a hundred. Because I put accidentally like hundred and fifty or something instead of fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're seventy mile an hour wind. I predict we have inside jokes. I like it inside. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, seventy mile an hour wind. Um, I I put the total at nine point seven. Got it. It shows that models break down, especially if they're linear-based models. They will break down at extremes that they're not, you know, because it's not built based on, um, you know, weather that is that extreme. But says you, so, says you. But Jeff, do you have Jeff, any? Do you have any picks this week? I do, but but before we move on to that, like I do think that with if you think that there is something that has an impact, for example, like um, temperature on scoring. I feel like there needs to be some sort of theory about the mechanism for that impact. So with wind speed, I think it can be pretty obvious that, you know, it's harder to throw the ball when it's windy, you know, it's harder to complete well, it passes could also downfield. Be, you, you could also make a point like the ground is frozen. So the traction isn't quite as good, which makes it harder to play offense or the ball is, is, is like, 
less it's it's harder so it's harder to catch or something or it's harder to throw i mean at at the core i think what you what you have to do is do real analysis right i'm less i agree with you like there has to be some hypothesis to explain it that that certainly helps but really like with you and your the the chops that you have to do analysis who cares because you can do real analysis and that's way more important than you know your your hypotheses I agree. And Jeff, I will say that temperature does affect certain aspects of the game when you look over and, and that's, that's the key. That's what you need to do. You need to see what it does affect. Like it's going to affect, you know, how often a team's going to throw the ball versus run. It's going to affect and possibly how, you know, it might affect how successful a team is running the ball. So, you know, it's going to affect field goal distances. So there are certain things it will affect. So when you look at just that outcome variable, you're not really you're not getting a clear picture. You're not. It's a very noisy picture. What you need to do is look at the process generating that that outcome. Right. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about picks? We can. We can. What was what? I, I like the Saints minus three and a half. We had a good week last week. I was two and one. You were three and zero. Oh, I think you had this. I had the Saints minus eight. The Rams minus seven. KC minus five and a half. You had the Rams minus seven. New England minus four, and KC minus five and a half. Which you all were, happened to be picks that I used in the contest. And anybody you, could have copied. Did you end up betting on the? Did you end up betting on the Saints game in the contest? No, Jeff, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> were you going to say you've been listening to the, in any of this podcast? <laughs> Oh, that was an awesome awkward yeah. silence. You can't edit that. Shit. I, I love I love your jokes where you just like you you lo- you love listening you love listening to yourself tell them and just waiting for me to to react. Okay. Uh, okay. So what so, do you like? I don't really like anything this week. Believe it or not, I all that and you say you like nothing. So I think if if I had to lean towards anything it would be the Patriots plus the three points. I make that. Yeah. So the Massey Peabody model makes it Patriots minus 2.8. The player level model actually has the, or sorry, Chiefs minus 2.8. The player model, which as I've said many times, really, really loves Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Yeah, yes, always. Just like Giselle. Home or road, doesn't matter. Anyways. Off of a bye week, in the wind, um, doesn't really matter. No, so that makes Brady and the Patriots a small favorite by a little less than a point. So overall, you combine those, you get Kansas City minus 1.3 is my true price. So I would say at a price of plus three, that has a minus, that's minus 124 to cover, but you got to give the market some respect. So I think it's a little bit better than break even. And especially if you can get plus three reduced, I like it there. I like it. So if that line moves to three and a half on game day, you would then take the Patriots for sure. Oh, big time. I mean, that three, the three, the three and a half is worth quite a lot, as you know. So for example, three and a half, I would make it minus 140. What do you make the Saints? What do I make the Saints? So I make the Saints a little bit higher than the market, actually. I make them four and a half. But that is not really, I mean, that one point there is not worth nearly enough for a play. I make that only minus 103 because that four and a half is also my mean line. So that isn't fit to the distribution. When you fit it to the distribution, you see that New Orleans should cover minus three and a half, 50.8% of the time. What do you make that total and assume that um, the weather is going to be pretty fair, I think? And assume, what? yeah. It's, it's, I think the weather I think will be, be like strong. I'll give you oh, like strong. No. over under wind speed, zero miles an hour. What do you think? 
Uh, it depends. Is the air conditioning on? Is the ventilation on? <laughs> um, temperature sixty-eight and a half degrees. <laughs> so what? What do you? That's actually that? a good over/under there. What's that? That's a good over/under. Like they nailed it? No, no. For the temperature, you know, oh. it's gonna be somewhere in the sixty-eight to seventy-two range. What? I think what do you make around seventy or sixty? What do you make that total, Rufus? Um, I, I, as I said, I still have an updated stuff from last week, but that shouldn't move the needle very much. But with, without having updated that, I make it 52. What's the market at? 56 and a half. Wow. Wow. I That's, think you like the under. I think I may like the under there. Yeah. Um, if anything, you would think that since both of those games went under, you would think that your numbers would suggest even more under. Yeah, it's possible. I think that there is this sort of narrative. Oh, no, actually, that, uh, sorry. The, the, the Rams didn't go under. Yeah. The Rams went over. Sorry, my bad. Wait. Okay, you didn't confuse the games, though. 56 and a half is the total, right? Uh, yeah, 56 okay. and a half and 50. The Patriots is actually down from, from 57, which it was earlier, to now 54 and a half. So that's plummeting with the weather. Oh, so you like the over in that, actually, now, depending on what your weather adjustments say. But yes, you might you might actually end up liking the over, right? Well, it depends on if the wind goes, gets up to 70 miles an hour. I, I won't like it there. Good point. But I, think, I, I do think that there is – I think a lot of people don't realize that the Saints are actually a running team. They, they run the ball um, You know, when you control for game script. I like that you just define run. what a running team is. You're like, they don't know they're a running team. They're a running team. They run the ball. Thanks. Wait, I was finishing a sentence here. Overall, because they play, they play with the lead a lot, so they, they, um, they run it because of that but also um they run more than expected due to game script so it, it was yeah, surprising they're, when I saw they're that. much more of a, they're much more of a running team this year than they've ever been right that's yeah. that's for sure true i mean they have a very good offensive line and they have two very good running backs and they have um and they have Taysom hill Taysom hill who Taysom plays Taysom who can run in fantasy league because there's no more quarterbacks left. So you got to pick up someone. So Jeff, uh, I did want some advice on this fantasy league I'm in. It's the same guys I'm in um, a regular season fantasy league with, but basically we get to use um, we get to use each player once. We can pick a roster, you know, pick a starting lineup for for each week. Um, but if we use a player one week, we can't use them the next week. And so we get to. It's not like there's a draft. We get to pick anybody we want each week except guys we've already used so what do you think is the the right strategy there so who have you used so far i don't know i don't remember but <laughs> like, i don't even know how from I'm a doing. blank from a blank so you're allowed to use yeah. each player twice you said no once once okay. so i mean like for so you like you what, what i'm doing use, is you obviously I'm, use the player that you think is going to lose right but you want to score points so like, do you think there's more value to playing for the future or to just racking up the most points you can each week and letting the chips fall where they may i mean i think within reason you have to like make that decision right i think like let's assume this week right i think that you probably use you know the i would i would say you use like a girl you use a girly right like as a running back who clearly is like the top running back probably or either either him or Kamara, right? I'd probably want to save Kamara. Um, I would probably use Brady because he's getting to play against the Chiefs and then you're not using Breeze, so you have a chance to use Breeze in the, 
I, I don't know. It's it's in, it's interesting. That's a, it's a that's I'm, a pretty good one. I'm going to use Brady actually because I used Andrew Luck in the first round and I used Pat Mahomes last week. And my my philosophy here is I'm using only AFC quarterbacks, so that way I'm guaranteed to have a quarterback starting in the Super Bowl. So I'll take Ooh, like whoever. That. I'll smart. either take Goff or Breeze. That's smart. With that kind of intelligence, you should have been able to win the national betting sports betting championship. Hey, I'm I'm second loser. Second? No, you're not second loser. That's bullshit. Second loser is like the person that finished second. You you did like you did a good like. What's interesting about this? Here's the best part about all of this. So if this happened, right? Who do you think the first person normally to write about something like this or tweet about something like this would be? R.J. Bell. <laughs> Who hasn't right? tweeted once about this? <laughs> is that also R.J. Bell? I assume so. I mean, I don't. I didn't see him tweet about this. I might as well go on his Twitter, so maybe I'm not calling him out. But I'm assuming that he's not going to give you any more positive publicity than than you know you've already been getting. Well, I, I don't. I can't see if he tweeted in there unless actually he blocked you, know you. He blocked you. I can go on something called you know if you Google somebody. If I go on private browsing, um, porno mode, and I click RJ in Vegas or Google it, you know I can actually get to his Twitter account. Did you know that? Pretty amazing. Yeah. Right? So. So I don't I think that he didn't want to tweet about any of this simply because he wasn't involved and none of his boys were involved. Right. Fezzik wasn't out there, was he? No, he wasn't. Not at least not as far as I know. I did see, you know, I did see my former boss and mentor, um, Kenny White, who without Kenny White, I would not be in sports betting for a living. He's the guy that hired me at, at Las Vegas Sports Consultants. Yeah, I'm looking at his his tweets and it doesn't look like he tweeted out about this. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Looks like no. So, anyways, well, thanks for joining us guys and uh thanks for making Rufus and Media darling and let's just right now live time, let's see where he is versus me in terms of uh followers. Let's see where this is. So, Rufus Peabody has 13.5 followers and Jeff Ma has oh 16.3. I'm still beating you. Hey, I'm I'm 13,594. So I, I think that no, rounds you're, to 13 points. You're, you're coming quick. You I I I hope that you beat me because that just means that you're gaining more notoriety, which is good for the podcast. Of course. And I want you to be a media darling. So huh. uh anyways, well. Like always, guys, thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck this weekend. Um, good luck to the Saints this weekend, and good luck to the Patriots this weekend. So hopefully, hopefully we'll we'll have a Patriots a new new Super Bowl. Patriots Saints. Sounds good. Okay, thanks. All the numbers in the simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are but the engines running off a leaded. None of it's organic. It all sounds synthetic. That's why I fucks with Jeff Ma and his dog Rufus. No locks of the year. They just tell you what their truth is. Maybe make your pockets fit.